Part two of Some Winter Days in Iowa by Frederick John Lazelle. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perard. Part two February in Storm and Shine. February often opens with a season of cold gray days when stratus clouds, dark and unrelenting as iron, hang across the sky and bitter winds from the northwest blow down the iowa valleys and over the frost-cracked ridges in the city the wheels crunch on the scanty snow and every window is made opaque by the frost trains are many hours late and dense clouds of steam from locomotive funnels condense into vivid whiteness in the wintry air nuthatches woodpeckers and chickadees join the english sparrows in begging crumbs and scraps around the kitchen door in the timber the wind rustles shiveringly through the leaves which still cling to some of the oaks the music of the woods is reduced to a minimum life is a serious business for everyone who has to work in order that he may eat there is little time or spirit for song in the late forenoon and again in the middle of the afternoon the rattle of bills may be heard on the branches at other times the woods are almost silent save for the cracking of the earth as it heaves under the frost and the boom of the ever-thickening ice on the river then the south wind steals across king winter's borderland and the iron clouds begin to relax but at first there seems little improvement the south end of a north wind say the experience and shiver but wait every hour the wind grows warmer and the clouds softer they come closer to the earth hanging like a thick curtain across the sky on the prairie the diameter of the circling horizon seems scarcely three miles long the clouds hug the far sides of the nearest ridges and shut you in above and around it must have been such a day as this when fitzgerald made that line of the rubiot read and this inverted bowl they call the sky to-day the bowl seems very small and dreary by and by a snowflake falls then a few others soft as the spray of the thistle in the early days of october gently as the very balloons of the dandelion they float through the air and rest upon the withered leaves of the white oaks soon they come faster and now the forest crowned ridge half a mile away which was in plain sight a minute ago is screened from view by the fast falling white curtain he giveth snow like wool very beautiful is this snow as it softens the rugged corky limbs of the mossy cup oaks it is not like the hard granular snow which stung your face like sand when you were out in the storm a month ago when the trumpets of the sky were doing a fanfare the wind raged from the northwest the top of a tall black cherry snapped like a shipmast and crashed through the forest rigging to the white deck below while the gnarled limbs of the big elms looked like the muscles of giants wrestling with the storm king this storm to-day is not announced by all the trumpets of the sky it comes softly as the breath of morning on a may meadow it silences every sound and curtains you into a rare studio where you may admire its own exceeding beauty there have not been so many beautiful snow crystals in any storm of the winter you may see 
half a dozen different varieties on your coat sleeve with the naked eye and you pull out a strong lens the better to observe the exceeding beauty of these six-pointed stars they are among nature's most exquisite forms and they are shown in bewildering variety the molecules of snow arrange themselves in crystals of the hexagonal system every angle exactly sixty degrees the white color of the snow is caused by a combination of the prismatic colors of these snow crystals some of them are regular hexagons with six straight sides others are like a wheel with six spokes with jewels clinging to each spoke many men have spent a lifetime in the study of these fairy forms w a bentley of the united states weather bureau after twenty years of faithful work has more than a thousand photographs of these crystals no two alike every storm yields him a new set of pictures for a little while the snow grows damp and the flakes grow larger making downy blankets for the babes in the woods like hepaticas the mosses the ferns the catkins of the hazel brush are edged with white the slender stems of the meadow sweet begin to droop beneath the weight of the snow the delicate yellow pointed buds of the wild gooseberry look like topaz gems in a setting of white pearl the snow falls faster and the wood becomes a ghost world the dull red torches of the smooth sumac are extinguished the fine delicate spray of the hop hornbeam is a fairy net whose every mesh is fringed with immaculate beauty the little clusters of fine twigs here and there in the hackberry grow into spears of fleecy fruit the snow sticks to the tree trunks and makes a compass out of every one a more accurate compass than the big radical leaves of the rosin weed in the early fall as the day darkens the ghost-like effect of the storm in the woods is all the more marked the trees stand like silent spectres and at every turn in the path you come upon strange shadow shapes of shrub and bush the snow is piling high under the hazel brush and the sumac stumps of trees become soft white mounds and the little brook has curving banks of beauty there is a thrill and an exultation in such a storm the depressing influences of the earlier day are no more as you resolutely walk homeward through the storm and the deep snow you feel the heart grow strong as it pumps the blood to every fibre of your being you know why the men of the north iowa men have virile brain and sovereign will the snow is deep and the way is long but yet you smile a reverent smile as you think of hawthorne writing of a snowstorm by taking occasional peeps from the study windows of his old manse next morning the world seems to have been recreated it is as fresh and pure and full of light and beauty as if it had just come from the creator's hand with not one single stain or shame or pain it is one of the few rare mornings that come in all seasons of the year when nature's every aspect is so beautiful that even the most unappreciative are charmed into admiration a great white sparkling world below and a limitless azure world above the clouds have all been blown away and you rejoice in the loftiness of the big blue dome 
it is so very high that there seems to be no dome you are looking straight through into the boundless blue of interstellar space the best object lesson of infinity which earth has to offer the ocean that washes the shores of continents has its bounds which it may not pass and mariners have well-known ways across it the ocean of human thought is vaster but it also has finite bounds and man shall hardly make great voyages upon it without crossing perhaps following the track of some earlier columbus but this limitless ocean which we call the sky has no finite bounds no tracks no charts no cabots it is measureless and all-embracing as divine love you and polaris are enwrapped by both the farthest star is but a beacon light on some shore island of this sublime sea of space and it beckons upward and outward to the unknown beyond yesterday's three-mile diameter of the horizon has been multiplied by ten there is a far sweep of the landscape which makes the soul thrill this is the supreme pleasure of the prairies the iowa man who goes to the rockies is at first awed and charmed by the mountain grandeur but soon he pines like a caged bird the high peaks shut him in as a prison he sighs for a sight of the plains with a feeling of room and liberty that belongs to the wider sky-reach on the prairies the love of truth and liberty grows as easily as the morning light the sun rose clear and golden and now is almost white so clear is the atmosphere the snow crystals break the white light into all the prismatic colors rubies and garnets emeralds and sapphires topaz and amethyst all sparkle in the brilliant light the shadow of the solitary elm's trunk here on the prairie has very clear-cut edges and is tinted with blue the finely reticulated shadows of the graceful twigs are sharply shadowed on the snow beneath a winter picture worthy of a master hand in the enjoyment of such beauty as this is the only real wealth money cannot buy it hirelings cannot take it from the lowly and give it to the proud no trust can corner it no canvas can screen it from the eye of him who has not silver to give the cathedral caretaker february like june may be had by the poorest comer but it is like ruskin's faubourg st germain before you may enjoy it you shall be worthy of it such beauty varying in the light of living nature cannot be portrayed by words nor by the pencil's silent skill but is the property of him alone who hath beheld it noted it with care and in his mind recorded it with love leave the prairie and enter the forest which crowns the neighboring ridge here are more of those blue shadows on the snow the delicate blue sky is faintly reflected on the snow in the full sunlight but it is more obvious in the shadow in some places its hue is almost indigo this sky reflection is one of the most beautiful of nature's winter exhibitions toward sundown the snow-capped ridges will sometimes be tinged with pink and in a red sunset the winter trees will sometimes throw shadows of green the complementary color on the snow 
you are early in the woods nature's children are not yet astir the silence is profound but it is a fruitful uplifting silence there are no sounds to strike the most delicate strings in that wondrous harp of your inner ear but if your spiritual ear is attentive you should catch those forest voices that fall softer than silence and speak of peace and purity truth and beauty soon the silence is broken curiously the first sound you hear comes from advanced civilization the rumble of a train fifteen miles away on a still morning like this one can hardly stand five full minutes on any spot in the whole state of iowa without hearing the sound of a train there are no more trackless prairies no more terrors of blizzards pioneer days have passed away the railroads have brought security comfort prosperity intelligence and the best of the world's work physical and mental fresh at the door every morning Whirr! there goes a ruffed grouse from the snow scarce a rod ahead in a moment up goes another too bad to rout them from their bed under the roots of a fallen tree farther on a rabbit scurries from another log there is his form fresh in the snow the river away down below begins to boom and crack the ice is like the tight head of a big bass drum but the drummer is inside and the sound comes muffled the frost is the peg which tightens all the strings of earth and makes them vibrant the tinkle of sleigh bells on the wagon road fully a mile away comes with peculiar clearness when the sun is more than halfway from the horizon to the meridian nature begins to wake up a chickadee emerges from his hole in the decaying trunk of a red oak and cheeps softly as he flies to the branch of a slippery elm his merry chickadee dee 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 brings others of his race and away they all go to the red birches on the river bottom the metallic quanks of a pair of nuthatches call attention to the upper branches of a big white oak a chickadee and one of the nuthatches see a tempting morsel at the same time a spiteful peck from nuthatch leaves him master of the morsel and the field but the chickadee does not care he flies down and spies a stalk of goldenrod above the snow on which there is a round object looking like a small onion chickadee doesn't know that this is the spherical gall of the tripeta solidaginus but he does know that it contains a fat white grub he knows too that there is a beveled passage leading to a cell in the centre and that the outer end of this passage is protected by a membrane window after some balancing and pirouetting he smashes the window with his bill runs his long tongue down the passageway gulps the grub and away he flies to join his comrades down in the birches chirping gaily as he goes downy woodpecker pleaks his happiness as he excavates the twig of a silver maple probably he has found the larvae which the wood wasp left there in the fall the big hairy woodpecker flies across the clearing with a strident scream next to the crow and the jay he is the noisiest fellow in the winter woods he hammers away at a decaying basswood 
and the chips which fall are an inch and a half long his hammering is almost as loud as the bark of a squirrel in the trees across the river the blood-red spot on the back of his head has an exquisite glow in the sunshine and you get a fine look at it for he is busily working little more than a rod from where you stand he does wonderful work with that strong bill one decaying basswood found recently was eighteen inches in diameter and the woodpeckers had drilled big holes clear through it the pile of their chips at the base would have filled a bushel basket by the time you have reached the spring the woods are full of life and sound and the spring itself adds to the winter music the rocks where it bubbles out are thickly covered with hoarfrost one of the big blocks of limestone in its causeway is covered with ice clear and viscid as molten glass the river is bridged over with ice twenty inches thick save only the little gulf stream into which the spring pours its waters from the surface of this stream thin smoky wreaths of vapour rise and are changed into crystals by the frosty air but the waters of the spring gush forth as abundantly and musically now as they did in the hot days of last july and the clam-shell with which you then drank is still in its place by the rock the pure melodious beautiful spring makes its own environment regardless of surroundings its sources are in the unfailing hills it suggests the lives of some men and women whose friendship you enjoy and who are ever ready to refresh you on life's way the wind of last night has carried much of the snow over the top of the ridge and deposited it in this sheltered slope of the river canyon here are wind-formed caves of sculptured snow vaulted with a tender blue turrets and towers sparkle in the splendid light all angles are softened and everywhere the lines of the snow curves are smooth and flowing the drift sweeps down from the footpath way on the river bank to the ice-bound bed of the river in graceful lines where the side of the canyon is more precipitous there is equal beauty each shrub has its own peculiar type amidst the broken drift the red cedar which is iowa's nearest approach to a pine except in a few favored counties hangs from the top of the crag heavily festooned with feathery snow those long creeping lines on which the crystals sparkle are only brambles and that big rosette of rusty red and fluffy white is the new jersey tea those spreading pointed fingers of coral with a background of dazzling white are the topmost twigs of the red osier dogwood the strip of shrubs with graceful spray now bowed in beauty by the river's brink is a group of young red birches and this bunch of downy brown twigs two feet above the snow sparkling with frost particles is the downy viburnum the great tangle of vine and lace work mixed with snow is young hop hornbeam supporting honeysuckle viewed from the window of a railway train the february fields and woods seem dead and dreary nothing could be farther from the truth every twig is lined with living buds carefully covered with scales inside those scales are leaves and blossoms deftly packed as only mother nature could pack them split one down the middle 
and examine it with your lens you will see the little tender leaves and often the blossoms ready to break out in beauty when the warm days come and flood the world with color men try to photograph nature but no photograph could do justice to the clustered buds of the red maple or the downy buds of the slippery elm the long green gray buds of the butternut pistillate flowers in some staminate flowers in others the saffron buds of the butternut hickory the ruby buds of the basswood the varnished bud scales of the sycamore and the poplar the big gummy scales which protect the pussy catkins of the aspen the queer little buds of the sumac and the rusty buds of the ash every one of these refutes the aspersions cast upon the winter woods by those who never go out to sea in their noble beauty of massive and graceful form with their exquisite symmetry of outline their varied arrangements of branches and twigs giving to every species an individual expression every twig studded with these gem-like buds how very beautiful are the winter trees one might almost find it in his heart to feel sorry that this rare mingling of sculpture and fretwork and lace is soon to be draped with a mantle of green why did bryant dwell so often on the theme of death in nature the reminders of death are very few compared with the signs of life break off a twig from the aspen and taste the bark the strong quinine flavor is like a spring tonic cut a branch of the black cherry peel back the bark and smell the pungent bitter almond aroma which of itself is enough to identify this tree every sense tells of life the smell of the cherry the taste of the aspen the touch of the velvety mosses and the gummy buds on the poplars the color of the twigs and buds the music of the birds all these say there is no death every time you plant your feet upon the snow you press down thousands of seeds minute forms of life each with its little store of starch or albumen carefully compounded in nature's laboratory sufficient to sustain the embryonic life until the tiny plantlet learns to draw nourishment from the breast of mother earth and to breathe health and vigor from the sunshine and the air by the wayside in stony places among thorns and on good ground nature sows her seeds with lavish hand every tree and shrub and herb itself held fast to one place tries to give its offspring as great a star in the world as possible even in late february one may see some of nature's airships designed to carry seeds they are all built on the same principle not to rise in the air but to fly as far away from the tree as possible when falling from the branch the basswood puts its seeds into little hollow wooden balls then makes a sail out of a leaf and sets it at just the right angle to balance the seeds and catch the breeze the winged samaras of the ash and the box elder are other modifications of the same principle the round balls of the sycamore hang till the high winds of march loosen their strong stalks and then they break open and the club-shaped nutlets inside spread their bristly hairs to the breeze the hop-like strobiles of the hop hornbeam 
seem especially made to blow over the surface of the frozen snow they drop off the queer little oblong bags as they go and thus the smooth small nuts inside are planted the oaks hickories walnuts butternuts hazelnuts trust their fruits to the feet of passer-by and to the squirrels and blue jays which fail to find many of their buried acorns and nuts the big three-valved balloons of the bladder nut can sail either in the air on the water or over the frozen snow the pretty clusters of the wild yam seen climbing over the hazel brush in the rich winter woods have two ways of navigating in the wind either the three-sided papery capsule floats as a whole or it splits through the winged angles and then the flat seeds with their membranaceous wings have a chance to flutter a foot or two away where haply they may find a square inch of unoccupied soil the desmodium the bidens the agrimony and the cocklebur which stick to your clothes even as late as february are only using you as a moses to lead their children to their promised land these herb stalks above the snow the corimbos heads of the yarrow the spikes of the self-heel the croziers of the golden rod the panicles of the asters the racemes of the indian tobacco the knotted threads of the blue vervain and the plantain the miniature mandarin temples of the peppergrass all these have shed or are shedding myriads of seeds to be silently sepulchred under the snow until earth's easter april mornings the withered berries of the bittersweet the catbriar and the sumac like the droops of the early fall are scattered far and wide by the birds all these speak not of death but of an eager expectant life the snow is winter's great gift to states like iowa he is unwise who complains of the tender protecting nourishing fructifying mantle of immaculate white where the snow lies deepest in winter there shall you find the greatest flush of new life in the spring down under the snow nature's chemical laboratory is at work take a stick and dig under the thick white blanket into the black soil here are bulbs and buds corms and tubers rootstocks and rhizomes which were pumped full of starch and albumen in the hot days of last august so far as modern science is able to tell chemical changes are in constant progress in all these forms of underground life preparing for the coming glory of the living green nature never dies she scarcely sleeps tracks on the all-revealing snow tell of an equal abundance of animal life these rabbit tracks scarcely two feet apart tell how happily bunny was going but farther on a dog came across at an angle and gave chase the tracks are now farther apart three feet four feet as up bunny goes to his burrow under the shelving rock one last bound nearly five feet and he was safe that was once when heaven was gained at a single bound bunny was too far away from home that time here is his usual runway from the burrow to the brook and the nibbled barks of the saplings tell of a tender breakfast before he went prospecting rabbits usually run in beaten paths 
these narrow tracks where dainty feet printed a double line of opposite dots across the snow were made by the white-footed mouse and the little continuous line between them was made by his dragging tail the legend is like this farther on are similar tracks but alternate instead of opposite like this they were made by the short-tailed shrew still farther along a queer little ridge is seen in the snow across the wood it is the tunnel of the meadow mouse part of its fragile roof has fallen in and you may stoop and look into the little round tunnel which ran from the burrow to some granary under a log there goes a squirrel angling away from you his red bushy tail high in the air as he runs through the deep snow down the side of the ridge to a big corky barked oak up which he goes to wait in his hollow up there until you have passed by he did not seem to be going very fast but when you walk over to his tracks you find they are farther apart than you can step the groups of four are about as broad as your hand and they are deep where the snow lies thick but on the firmer snow at the crest of the ridge before the squirrel became alarmed they did not break through the crust and the marks of the dainty toes are plainly seen there are also the remains of a sweet acorn which the squirrel dug out of the deep snow under a white oak back to the river where the stream from the spring makes open water you find some queer tracks on the fresh snow there is a round spot as big as a quarter in each one faint radiating lines in front ending with the marks of sharp toes these were made by the soft padded foot and webbed toes of the mink most of the insect life is snugly hidden but much is in plain sight a clump of pussy willows bears many queer-shaped clusters which the entomologist calls pine-cone galls in the centre of each one a larva dwells in his silken case on the red oaks overhead are other galls the oak apples the button brush has the ash-coloured cocoon of the giant silkworm made out of a rolled leaf the petiole of which is fastened to the branch with silk many others are to be found for the looking all tell the story of nature's abundant life even the morning after a february snowstorm all speak of one maternal spirit bringing forth and cherishing with ever constant love that tires not nor betrays but snowstorms will soon be over the nature lover's spring begins near the end of the month sometimes just before sometimes just after the snow and the ice will be honeycombed by the sun and we shall begin to look for the sap trickling from the maple and to strain our ears for the first note of the wild goose and the bluebird while winter slumbering in the open air wears on his smiling face a dream of spring the frequent rambler through the winter woods can scarcely fail to become acquainted with all the winter birds the different species are not numerous few of them are very shy they are easily seen because of the bare trees and their habits tend to call attention to them especially is this true of the woodpeckers it is true of course that one may sometimes walk in the woods for hours scarcely seeing a single bird but it is also true that if he starts out some sunny morning and seeks a tract of heavy timber near a river 
you will be very likely to see and hear nearly all of them such a ramble was enjoyed during the halcyon days we had this year nineteen o seven in february by ten o'clock the woods were fairly ringing with bird calls over a meadow near the entrance to the woods a red-tailed hawk was circling about twenty-five feet from the ground as if in search of meadow mice the field-glass showed the black band on his breast and tail which with his bright red tail sufficiently established his identity the first bird seen in the woods was a white-breasted nuthatch working on the trunk of a red birch on the river bottom next to the chickadee he is the tamest bird of the woodlands one may easily get within six feet of him as was done on this occasion and admire his beautiful ashy blue coat his white vest and white cheeks with his black cap and nape he pulled a fat white grub from the birch with his long slender bill and ate it with evident relish then he uttered his soft quack quack and gently flew to another tree sometimes these quack quacks come in a loud and rapid series and may easily be heard a quarter of a mile on a still day a flock of juncos were busy among the dead leaves and the snow they are sparrow-sized like the nuthatch and their faint chirpings are much like those of the chickadee the slate gray of their head throat back and breast is an interesting color and is relieved from somberness by the white underparts and the yellow bills the white outer tail feathers show plainly as they fly they frequent the road through the timber and have some of the habits of the english sparrow the winter woods would miss them chickadees were busy in the birches surely the chickadee is one of the dearest little fellows that fly he has four modes of expression one the well-known chickadee dee dee two the piho which ought to be written la sole pitched at about upper d and c above the soprano's staff and timed like two quarter notes three the faint chirpings as he works four a happy little gurgling song which can hardly be translated into words the chickadee wears a black cap with a white vest and blue-gray coat completing his costume with a black necktie and he is perfectly willing to sit for you and have his picture taken mr blue jay sat in a clump of dogwood doing nothing he was not so tame as the others and yet he permitted a twenty-foot view of his blue-gray coat his aristocratic crest his dusky white vest his white-tipped tail in the black band across the back of his head down the neck and across the breast like a black collar worn very low down it was a spring-like morning the thermometer rapidly rising toward forty-five and mr blue jay was in one of his imitative moods there is hardly a limit to his vocabulary and it would not be surprising if some of his imitative stunts should be mistaken for the call of an early robin among these calls is a liquid gurgle like hard cider coming out of the neck of a big brown jug another a common one is two slurred eighth notes repeated salty salty upper g and b in the key of c meanwhile the woods had been resounding with the lively tattoo of the woodpecker and finally downy was found at the top of a dead dry elm busily doing this reveille 
fast and loud as the roll of a snare-drum his head was going so fast that it looked like a quick series of heads and the tree rattled so it could be heard afar most riders regard this as the woodpecker's love-call a sign of spring as it were but downy is usually heard and seen doing it on warm days every month in the winter the females are seen at it almost as often as the males the latter are known by the scarlet band at the back of the head perhaps it is not a love call after all it may be only the exuberance of spirits caused by a fine breakfast and a warm morning downy kept it up heedless of the human observer but when a red squirrel ran up the tree to within four feet of the spot chosen for a sounding-board downy suddenly left the squirrel sat in the sunshine and smoothed his fur with his nose and his paws like a cat two big hairy woodpeckers were on a neighboring tree but they were not so fearless one can hardly get nearer than thirty feet the field-glass is a great help in such cases and no one should go to the woods without one or at least a good opera glass these two were both males they could be easily told by the bright scarlet band on the back of their heads the rest of the plumage is much like the downy woodpecker both have beautiful black wings spotted and striped with white and a broad white stripe down the back downy's white outer tail feathers are barred with black the hairies are all white downy is sparrow size hairy is robin size downy is usually a gentle creature hairy is aggressive and militant downy is a little lord fauntleroy hairy is a robin hood one other woodpecker was seen on this lucky bird day it was the red-bellied woodpecker more rare and more shy than either of the others his breast is a grayish white tinged with red and his back is barred white and black like a ladder but the black is not so deep and vivid as that of the other woodpeckers he has no white stripe down the middle of his back his nape and crest are both scarlet and he utters a hoarser squeak than either the downy or the hairy one of the events of the day was the sight of the winter wren the first time he had been seen this winter he was working among the stumps of trees at the brink of the river under the ice which had been left clinging to the trees when the high water receded there was no mistaking his beautiful coat of cinnamon brown his pert manner his tail which was a little more than straight up pointing towards his head a little mite of a bird how does he keep his little body from freezing in the furious winter storms he seemed perfectly happy with his two sharp shrill impatient quick quaps much shriller than the pleaks of the downy woodpecker a flock of tree sparrows were busy in and around a big thicket of wild gooseberry bushes on the upland you may easily get within a rod of them but hardly closer and a field-glass is almost a necessity to careful study he is a grayish graceful sparrow with streaks of reddish-brown chestnut caps and a small black spot in the middle of the brownish breast one white wing-bar is a distinguishing characteristic and a better one is the difference in color of the two mandibles the upper one is black and the lower one yellow the tinkling notes of the tree sparrows sound like the music a pipe organist makes when he uses the sweet organ and the flute stop 
a sharp watch was kept for goldfinches and the evening grosbeak during the day but neither was seen this was something of a disappointment but it was forgotten in the thrill of joy that came late in the afternoon there was a wide stretch of river bottom walled in on the west by a high and forest-crowned ridge on the east was the river with a hundred-foot fringe of noble trees not yet sacrificed to the axe of the woodsman the sun was just above the tops of the trees on the western ridge and long rays of slanting light came pink across the river flood plain investing the tree-tops by the shore with a soft and radiant light suddenly there came a plaintive little note from the bottom of a nearby tree instantly recognized as a new note in the winter woods then another and another leading the eyes to the foot of a big bass wood where a graceful bird with a beautiful blue-black and a reddish-brown breast as if his coat had been made of the bright blue sky and his vest of the shining red sand was hopping the field-glass brought him within ten feet a bluebird sure enough the first real tangible sign of the spring that is to be the first voice from the southland telling us that spring is coming up the valleys there is no mistaking the brilliant blue the most beautiful blue in the iowa year unless it be the blue of the fringed gentian in the fall and the soft reddish earthy breast enhances the beauty of the brilliant back another hopped into view the female doubtless for both the blue and the reddish brown were less brilliant every well-regulated bluebird ought to be seen in the top of a tall elm or maple but these seemed to have no high-flying inclinations maybe they could read in the clouds beneath the setting sun a prediction of the snow which came that night they stayed a few moments and then slowly hopped away and were lost among the tree trunks a further search only frightened a prairie chicken from beneath a hawthorn bush where he had meant to pass the night and the bluebirds were not seen again but the sight of bluebirds in iowa on the nineteenth day of february is glory enough for one day End of part two.